0: Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert.
1: There have been at least 140 cash and transit robberies since January, which averages almost to one a day. Yet, the one that took place in Boxburg a few weeks back captured media attention. It was particularly ruthless and violent. Also making it newsworthy was the fact that one of the perpetrators was believed to be a cop. Since then, there have been nine other incidents. Investigative journalist Jacques Broderick explored this topic on CakeNet for Schlach and joins me now to tell me what he has learned about it. Jacques, welcome back to the studio.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, and um, just to, to um, jump in there, I think we're close to 150 heists so 150. far this year. Yeah. Wow.
1: I mean, that's uh, We're that's looking at, at one, maybe
0: two, three a day.
1: That's unbelievable statistics. Jacques, when did Cash and Transit heists start?
0: Well, it's difficult to say when the first one exactly was, but it's definitely been a problem since at least the 90s. Um, there was a big spike, and then up into the 2000s, early 2000s, and then it started declining. And then since, say, the last three, four years, it started picking up again, year by year, just increasing.
1: Are we the only country that has this?
0: No, 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 we're definitely not. Um, it's a worldwide phenomenon, but I think um, looking at our statistics and the amount of robberies we have, uh, yeah, I think we were a unique situation.
1: And what do we know? I mean... You know, the fact that it happens all the time means it's probably not—it's not, not being reported on a daily basis, okay? Yet Boxburg came, and it was very traumatic.
0: I think what what made the Boxburg incident different was—you see, if you go on social media, you'll see you'll find a ton of videos um, of cash and transit robberies. Often people take them with their cell phones, where they see the vans being blown up, et cetera. But from a media angle, I think what made the Boxburg one unique was that we had so many different citizens taking videos from different angles okay. and I think that's what really you know created this maim because you could see from this side this guy was shooting, from the other side you could see the guy be, you know, running with the explosives and that's the type of stuff you don't usually you don't see
1: you know? And then the other thing that made it so kind of noteworthy is that it was almost confirmed, I don't know if that is correct, but that one of the perpetrators of the crime was a cop
0: Well, this isn't something new um, <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately there's, 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 if, if you look at We'll start off with the weapons these guys prefer to use. Um, for many years, they, they preferred using R4 and R5 assault rifles, which is standard police and military issue in South Africa, because it was easy to get hold of these weapons. It used to be easier to get hold of these weapons than it was to get hold of a black market AK-47, just to give you an idea. So that's how well our weapons are controlled by the police and the military. That's a big, big issue. Um, so police and military involvement is, is, a, is an issue. I'm not, not surprised at all that a cop was, was physically involved in the robbery. We've seen this with military personnel as well.
1: It's almost like um, what somebody was saying to me. I, um, I had a leak in my house and uh, the plumber actually came from Boxburg and it was just afterwards and he was talking about it all the time. And I think what he was also saying is that um, crime on the s- uh, race relations on the side of crime is a lot better than race relations on the side of the victims. And that he was saying that um, do, do we find, you know, that kind of collaboration better on that side?
0: That's, that's a difficult thing to answer, but I I, I would, I would take a while, yes, and say yes. Um, because, because money is a common denominator in any situation in life. Um, as you, as you get a a common, a common enemy creates, you know, what's a saying makes friends of the, of the biggest of foes. Mm -hmm. I think you you can say the same thing about money. Common interest in money will bring parties from all walks of life together.
1: Well, it's almost like suggested that, um, I'm not actually sure what it was suggested, but that's the uh, maybe we should just leave it at that then and look at the Polokwane. Uh, what came out of Boxwood is a lot of people were arrested, right? Yeah. And the next day there was another one, and the next day there was another one. And it, this time it was in Polokwane, and this time it was. So to what extent is it one kind of industry? And I know we had discussed the same when we were talking about rhino poaching. Is this one gang that is, or is this lots of gangs? Is it opportunistic?
0: This is, What is happening? This is a very, very grey area we're going into at the moment because even the people I know who personally know um, robbers who are convicted or who have not been convicted um, have said to me that there are guys who organize this from a, 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 an organizing point of view as a managerial system, almost, if I can put it that way. And then they recruit different members for each heist based on their expertise. So you've got guys who are specialists in explosives. You've got professional shooters. You've got um, illegal drag racing champions who work as getaway wow. drivers. So they bring all these people together for a heist, and then they disperse again afterwards.
1: So are the same people being used in different,
0: different… Different different, cars would work together on different heists with different crews. They always try and split them up so that no one can… can but is there
1: one mastermind?
0: No, I kind of doubt that. I doubt that there's one specific person. Um, I think there must be a few people running this thing, yeah. Competing even.
1: Competing. Mm. Where? How far are we as a country? You've been saying this has been going on since the nineteen nineties. How far are we in terms of finding out? Or, or I mean, clearly we're not. We're not anywhere closer. The fact that they—you said the latest statistics were one hundred and fifty.
0: Maybe I'm being optimistic, but I want to say that I'm. Um, I think that eventually, after all the media coverage, that. CITs have been getting and the fact that the specific Boxburg incident was so well documented by members of the public which by the way they shouldn't do just just heads up don't film just stay in your car get the hell out of there just, just a heads up but I think I think this case may have brought um the, to the turning point, because we now all of a sudden we see the police arresting people. Whether they are arresting the right people, that's that's still something we will have to kind of have to see. But at least we're seeing action being taken now, so I think it's reached that point. And I think also this might be um, a flow out of the new Ramaphosa, um, you know, government that we're seeing who are taking things serious. I think that pressure is rolling all the way down, and um, that might just might just be heading in a positive direction.
1: Jacques, um, my show today has uh, had a focus on kind of journalists and. Um being in the media we've come in here we've spoken about the rhinos and we've also spoken about the farm killings and now the heists which have all um, been involved in kind of organized crime um, are the different crimes connected
0: i think they are connected um, in a certain way up there i think if you, if, you, if you look at gangs like um if we look at poaching, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at rhinos, we're looking at abalone, looking at lion. All of those things have been brought, drawn back to triad um, mm-hmm. gang membership, you know, which, which is a good footing in South Africa. So I think in a, in a way you can connect it like that. So there's, there are gangs who focus on certain specific types of crime. And I think one of our big problems is that crime intelligence is in an absolute mess. Um, this isn't any new news. But how do you infiltrate gangs and org- organize crime if your crime intelligence unit can't get their job done?
1: I think we're going to take our break here. And then after the break, I'd like to talk a little bit about you as a journalist investigating that kind of thing.
0: Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert.
1: And I am talking to Jade Breutrek, who is an investigative journalist for CakeNet Verschlag. And we are talking about um, crime. Um, I hope you were not uh, getting thirsty Oh, I'm terribly thirsty. now.
0: It's going to be a long drive back home.
1: Uh, yeah, but uh, be- best to drive first and back <laughs> <Yeah>, later. <laughs> Jacques, um, you are investigative journalist, and I've I looked at your YouTubes on Kachnet For Schlag, where you go into your stories. And one of the common themes I think that I see is you carrying big guns. Now I'm unfortunately unable to distinguish one gun from another, but I'm I'm getting a good sense that you may very well be able to do so. What is it like being a journalist and trying to get to the heart of crime? Is it a little bit nerve-wracking?
0: I'll be honest with you. I think in South Africa, it's actually, it might might be less nerve-wracking because our criminals are so brazen. I've I've never been in a story, well, very few that I've actually gone into a, a heart-hitting crime story like this that I felt that I might actually be in danger now. I think the only time we really was um, – that I can think of now was, was a story we did in the Zim border with um, the Guma, Guma gangs illegally um, bringing people across the border. I think that was the only time that I really felt that, you know, if something goes down now, we are really in big trouble. We can't get out of it.
1: But as an investigative journalist trying to uncover the truth behind, um, you must meet some shady characters.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you're not yeah. going to talk about it right now, are you?
0: No, no. no I'm not. But um, – yeah, you do meet some shady characters, and, and, and I have had situations where I kind of had to block people. Uh, you know, uh, luckily I've got a separate work phone number than my personal number. You know, because um, people start getting overly fr- overly friendly, and um, people start actually trying to take advantage of your position to 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 run deals and stuff. You know, that's happened to me. Where luckily I picked up on it, on it early enough, and I was able to get out of it. But um, yeah, you know, you, you meet dodgy characters. I
1: mean, run deals is one thing. Um, maybe even being paid to run a different story, a uh, bribe. Have you ever experienced that?
0: No, no, I haven't.
1: So, obviously, they don't think journalists are that hard up as, uh,
0: I as I, I think... Uh, <laughs> I think it's it's more on um, the type of publication, possibly, because, oh. I mean, Locating for Slugkate is for the Afrikaans market. It's, it's 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 a smaller market than you would find the national broadcaster, for instance. So I think someone who would be looking to bribe journalists would be looking at media lo- companies with a larger footprint than necessarily the Afrikaans media.
1: And um, you also interview a whole wide variety of different people when you do one story. Um, possibly for the story you, you interviewed... Um, crime, intelligence, you interviewed police, uh, you know. Do you ever feel that you're talking to somebody who's not telling you the truth?
0: And can Um, you tell immediately? Constantly, all the time. Constantly. Um, Especially if you get to government uh, spokespeople, Um, you know, they tend to shoot you off. And you can make, make it look very dramatically if you, if you were filming the interview and you could show how these guys were refusing to answer your questions. But it would get boring because that would be pretty much every, <laughs> every insert. Um, I tend to personally, really when I do these stories, focus on private individuals or people in the private sector. Um, I'd get a comment from the, from the police or the government officials to, to give them their, their right to reply. But mostly I don't, I don't even bother getting my information from those guys. I work around other angles because you'll just hit a brick wall.
1: And um, when when you are getting no comment, are you getting it mainly from government because they don't want to compromise something that they're working on or because they don't know? They
0: they, they they hardly ever say no comment. They'll comment, but they'll just be talking in circles. That's that's what you get, you know, for real politicians. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but um, I think it's more of a case of just, just, just not being informed and choosing not to be informed um, because that might mean they might have to actually do something once, once they know what's going on.
1: And, um, you, but you did mention you had hope. In terms p- of this latest crime, at least, yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah. if at, anything at else. At least,
0: as far as cash and transit is concerned, I do have hope. We have a new head of crime intelligence, which, um, you know, in police circles are being spoken about, you know, very, very highly. People I know who, um, are ex police officers who used to work with this person also speak of him very highly. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's, let's hope for the best and, um, Hopefully, this, this this crime can be can be stopped and prevented, and um, less people get hurt and killed.
1: And to what extent? And I think now also you you came in here when we were talking about the really really horrific topic of um, medical ambulances and personnel who were attacked. To what extent do you, as a journalist, feel that you can, by highlighting a problem, implement change?
0: I think that's 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 the main thing you hope for when you when you take on a story like this. Um, if you can touch one person somewhere watching the story that leads to some kind of a small difference, you know, it, it, that would have been worth it. Um, so I think that's, that's what, you, what you really hope for when you do any story. How, how effective it always is, I don't know. Maybe I just choose not to think of that because it would be demoralizing. Um, but that's what you hope for when you, when, you, when you do a story like that and you're trying to get this information out there.
1: And in spite of the heavy topics that you do, do you enjoy it?
0: I do enjoy my work very much. Um, it it does get a bit heavy sometimes, um, you know, but, you know, speak to, go and have a beer with colleagues in the, in the same field who go through the same stuff and then uh, that's, that's all better again, yeah.
1: Well, um, Jacques, thank you so much. What's the next big story?
0: Um, I'll tell you off air. Ah,
1: I can't actually wait. In fact, I'm going to end the show a little bit earlier just so I can get the latest scoop. Well, Jacques, thank you so much for coming in. I thank you I appreciate it. Me. Um, I look forward, I know, that once you've done this next story, um, we're going to share it broader with uh, with our community.
0: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Um, thank you for coming in. And indeed, thank you for, to all of you for joining me. If there's anything on the show you'd like to comment, on, you're welcome to email me on charise at sjbde.org.